The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Welcome to another episode of Absent Minded. It's me, Patrick Bexel, and I'm joined today in the pod somewhere near Earth or a bit over the mid-Atlantic by Jared Book. Thank you for joining us, Jared. Good, good to be back it, on this podcast, Patrick. It's it's my favorite podcast to be a guest on. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like you're 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 the big boss of this podcast. We're just tagging <laughs> along, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm the big boss, and I'm too busy to actually be on the podcast. Yeah. So it's typical of a big boss, actually. Yeah, just delegate, just delegate. Um, exactly. And and obviously, uh, Jared is stuck with it, with another Swede, so we're outranking him two to one. Uh, Anton Rosigord uh, in tears just because Sweden lost the handball World Cup final, right? Yeah, I'm in tears because of that. But at the same time, um, I'm on my favorite podcast as well, so I'm happy. I, I've given this podcast a five star review on on iTunes as well. You you listeners should do that as well, so we uh, so we get uh, and, even more. And let's face it, you you did it on the Swedish iTunes as well. That that was yeah, brilliant. I did, I did. <laughs> yeah, well, I couldn't I couldn't find the other one, so I just did it on the first one I could uh, I could get muster up. Yeah. Um, well, since I'm since I'm with two Swedes, I just want to say N for Allah for N. <laughs> N for Allah, Allah oh, for N. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one for all, all for one. Um, yeah. And and we're actually back with one of the favorite segments or or, or podcasts that we did last year. We we realized that looking back at the numbers, and it's the players uh, of the month in the whole organization. Unfortunately, we are lacking an AHL participant uh, this month. Hopefully that we're women's hockey as well. <laughs> <laughs> but but at least we, we have covered three of the four bases. And and uh, it, it, it was an interesting month for, for different reasons. Um, and, and all these three players have been chosen in different ways, I think. Uh, first and foremost, the uh, NHL player of the month, Jeff Petrie. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much you can say uh, about... Petrie's start to the season it's been it's been great he's been putting up points he's been great defensively he's been great on the power play and you know the the, the good thing about about this player of the month uh for January is, is that there was a lot of different options you know you couldn't have gone wrong with Nick Suzuki you couldn't have gone wrong with Jonathan Drouin you couldn't have gone wrong with Tyler Toffoli you couldn't have gone wrong with Jake Allen even and so that is a good sign for the Montreal Canadiens uh, aside from their you know uh, the the record with only one regulation loss, but yeah, it could have gone to anybody. Uh, Petrie could, just narrowed it out this time. Could even but have gone I, to I guarantee Mark Bergman, the other ones. Right? Yeah, it could have been Mark Bergman as well. Um, Anton, you you were headlining Jeff Petrie. Um, why was that? 
Yeah, I just feel like, um, kind of like Jared said, it could have gone to anyone, but it just feels like Petrie kind of embodies uh, this whole Canadians team that just, he has been here for several years he's been here through the uh through the tough times and now when the canadians come back like the the four-year signing with him kind of um kind of embodied this new um this new look canadians that we've seen in this um in the start of the season where it's just like everybody's buying in and it shows he's a leader on the ice and there have been reports, um, like uh, neutral hockey journalists have said that Shea Weber could be up for um, for Norris contention in the spring because obviously he's the leader of the team, he's the captain, and Shea Weber is the biggest name on the defensive core. But but I think Jeff Petrie outplays him um, on a regular basis, and it's not a bad thing. Weber is not um, by any means a bad defenseman; he's playing well as well. But it's just you see Jeff Petrie in a more consistent way just on both sides of the puck and he's formed a formidable duo with Joel Edmondson to start the season and yeah it's just uh, great to see Petrie being Petrie indeed it is and and Jeff Petrie has eight points uh, two goals six assists um, to start the season and it's it's a point per game average it's something that you really have to look for and uh, it's it's impressive especially for a defender um, I actually thought about something I saw last night and it seemed like Calgary had changed the setup on the um, on the box play on on the penalty kill, and really loaded up on Petrie in order for him to lose the puck and not get it across to to Weber. Um, it wouldn't surprise me with the start that Jeff Petrie has that this is what teams will do: try to overload and and force him to make the mistake rather than let him play at that tempo where he is really, really good at. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's funny because teams, uh, Brendan Gallagher mentioned this after the game on Saturday, is that, you know, Calgary's penalty kill did make adjustments to the Montreal power play and, and made it may have caught them a little bit off guard. And, and that's what Gallagher said. The teams are going to have to adjust when it comes to these back-to-back games, these, you know, series that they're going to have against teams is that teams are going to adjust. And so it's up to both sides to, to adjust and kind of anticipate what the adjustments are, are going to be. And that's part of the chess match that's going to go on uh, throughout this, this whole, uh, this whole season when you have these back-to-back games, like so many of these teams are going to have in the North division with the the Canadians and, and the other divisions as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see the little chess match and, and and the adjustments that that coaching staffs make and, and even players make because you know there's going to be things that you know we, we saw it in, in the Vancouver series right where, where that play to the slot for Bo Horvat uh, was was exploited a few times by Vancouver and then Montreal eventually came up with a way to, to stop it and then I've been trying to do it themselves on, on their power plays as well so it, it's going to be things like that that's going to happen throughout the season and it's going to be tough to sweep these games uh, when you have back-to-back games, it always is uh, in in these kinds of situations. And let's face it: if we yeah. talk about the game from last night, it was it was a game that probably Montreal shouldn't have lost. No, the interesting part is maybe they should have lost the first game, but then they had the more, like everything went on their side. Like the the Calgary Flames had had more clear-cut opportunities on Thursday, but instead lost that game and they won this one instead. Um, Jacob Markstrom was a wall. 
and uh, unfortunately uh, the Canadians had had nothing to break through that wall uh, last night and yeah it was the first uh, shutout recorded against Montreal this season and hopefully we won't see another one in the um, in the near future but uh, yeah um, I, I I was just going to say as well about the uh, the power play thing that it just feels like with Weber and Petrie, uh, Petrie's the dynamo on the power play, while Weber is just there to unleash his shot. And if you can stop Petrie, then uh, the Canadians will have to go to their second option for, for controlling the power play. And they don't really have a second option yet, uh, and they will have to work that out in the upcoming weeks. But it did seem like the second power play unit was the one that used the the Ferlander play as I call it or the Vancouver play as, as Jared call it where, where you go down and up into the slot for, for a quick shot and it seems like they have been the ones practicing against the penalty kill um, when it came to the Vancouver series and and we as, as Jared says well we're going to see all this but Petrie is the dynamo and, and he has been carrying that first power play unit uh, throughout a very successful first uh, eight nine games. However, when 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 especially when we look at a game like last night against the the uh, Calgary Flames, you have to realize that something was missing. And when we look at the catching the torch segment and the the prospects in um, North America, there is one prospect that we really stand out and uh, he won the world junior championship gold didn't score very much there but he's really on a chair in wisconsin and cold cowfield could he have made the difference yesterday i i I think it's a lot yeah i mean anybody could have made a difference you know it's it's one of those things where yes you would have liked to you know have a guy who can shoot the puck like like caulfield can but I don't know if necessarily he alone changes the game, you know, going back to what Gallagher said post game, you know, they, they, they didn't really get a lot of traffic on Markstrom. They kind of made life a little bit easy for him as well. So, you know, I could Caulfield have scored a goal. Sure. But I mean, if you give Weber enough time, he could have scored a goal. So it's, I, I think it's a little simplistic. And I saw some people saying it online that, you know, Caulfield would have made a difference in a game like this. I, I don't know if it's, if it's that simple, I think that, you know, the Canadians have been capitalizing on a lot of their chances early on and on, on Saturday, they just didn't. But, but what I liked is that, you know, they, 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 they take responsibility for it. They're not just saying, Oh, well, good goalie. That's all you can do. And I feel like in past years, they probably would have done something like that, but I was, I was happy to hear what Gallagher said uh, about, about that and, and having the ability to really get the, get into the mindset of we have to do better it's not just a matter of of you know running into a hot goalie it's we have we there's a you know you can beat hot goalies and it's up to the forwards to do more yeah and also as you as you say like um this team were they were 5-0-1-2 to before this game right and just having that mindset of yeah we lost our first game in regulation after eight games and you could just shrug your shoulders and say you win some you lose some but actually to to be that on your toes and just say that well, this is not good enough. We will have to play better. Well, when it matters more, I mean, that tells you something about the mindset for this season as well. Yeah, that it just, yeah, it's just uh, very competitive in all regards. And every night of the, every every night should be a winning night. Alfield has 15 points in 28 games. He's tied for the for the lead in NCAA with Odin Tufto, uh, senior in Quinnipiac. University and and obviously a less competitive 
part. I was going to ask who. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, but a less competitive uh, ser- uh, series league than uh, than the Big Ten. The, the season is coming obviously to an end a lot thanks to COVID. There will be no uh, Final Four, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jared. But should or will he be signed and and assigned to the AHL squad when the season is over in NCAA? I think it depends. Is the is the AHL going to be playing? Uh, you know, where you know the season was supposed to start February fifth, but you know, to answer your question, I would be very surprised if he goes back for a third season at Wisconsin. So whether the the the, the contract is signed, you know, as soon as the season ends or over the summer. I, I would be very surprised if he goes back to Wisconsin for another season, uh, especially given everything that's going on with, with COVID and, and everything like that, you know, who knows what happens in a year, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's, it's likely he signs a contract, but I mean, whether he, he signs to go to the AHL or, or the NHL even for, for a late season, uh, you know, a few regular season games or a playoff push, I, I don't know. It, it really depends on what the situation is. If the, if the NHL team is struggling for injuries and, and, you know, they, they have guys that, that could be replaced, then, then yeah, you, you put maybe Caulfield there. If the AHL is, is playing, then that's, that's a great place for him as well. And it wouldn't even necessarily burn a year of his entry level contract if he goes right to the AHL. So there, there are options, uh, but I, I would be very surprised if he goes back to Wisconsin uh, for, a third season for his junior season. But, but I think it's too early to say whether he's going to be signed for the AHL at the end of the season, because as of this point, there is no AHL schedule for the Laval rocket. So it'll be, it'll be very interesting. I hope there's games. Uh, I, I hope that they, you know, they, they get the schedule figured out. There's the, the issue with the Ontario teams um, and, and things like that as well. So th- there's a lot of di- different things to, to look at, but yeah, I, I think that it, the, the betting money, and I know Pat, uh, you know, you don't like betting on anything, but the, the betting money is is on Caulfield uh, going pro after this season, whether it's in time for the end of the uh, 2021 season or whether it's for next season. That that depends on on everything else that goes wrong. I, I obviously agree with Jared, thinking that um, Caulfield will sign um, and not play his third year in NCAA. I think it's AHL or or NHL that is going to come up. Uh, sooner rather than later but having seen him struggle in a little bit on a second line unit in for for, for the champions usa and the world union championship but but tearing it up in in the ncaa where he's more or less alone on on a wisconsin team what does Cowfield really need to work on Anson? I, I can't really say that he has something specific to work on. I think he's very developed and very advanced for a 20-year-old kid. Um, we know his deficit when it comes to size. He knows it as well. He has been playing like that for his entire life, as he said, when he was drafted. Um, I think that he has developed a sound all-round game uh, this season, uh, where he's he has had to carry uh, a weak Wisconsin Badgers team, and he's done it well um i mean he he there there would be no reason for him to go back because he's already proven that he can both be um successful when he has great teammates around him and also when he has weaker teammates and he can 
create stuff himself. So yeah, he was out. Yeah, there, there were players outshining him on the American team um, with Trevor Zegras and um, yeah, maybe even Arthur Kaliev. But but when it comes to when it comes to a conclusion, I think that Caulfield played his part well in the World Juniors, and I don't think there was any reason to uh, to doubt that he would be any less talented than than what we've seen in the past. I mean, just the fact that he has, I mean, th- there are a lot of good players in the NCAA and he's, uh, as you said, he's leading them all in points. At the moment, he has 28 in 18 games. So, and with 36 and 36 games last year, he has proven that he is too good for the NCAA and uh, what he needs now is just pro experience, basically. Yeah, and uh, we've seen, we're listening at least to, to the podcast with Marc Dumont where he really speaks about how he understands hockey, what he needs to develop. And you have to figure out that someone like Joel Bouchard is sitting somewhere and just, you know, rubbing his hand together in excitement to work with such a dynamic player and such a um, thinking player, I would have to say. Um, and he this this will obviously be a little bit of what we will judge Joel Bouchard on in a few years' time. How well did he develop Cole Caulfield to take that next step forward? Yeah, and and we've seen we've seen already what he was able to do with someone like, with Jake Ab- and Jake Evans' talent. So it'll be interesting to see now that more talented youngsters come through the um, the developmental ranks. What Joel Bouchard can do with them if he if it's just a kind of ground and pound <laughs> ground and pound mentality where it's like um if you have the mentality you will be great because obviously we know about jake evans coming from being a seventh round pick and playing several years uh, uh, at the college ranks and then coming in and and improving 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 every year uh but it will be interesting to see even with the cam hillis this year what he can do just as a preparation for uh cole caulfield coming in and and uh, hopefully uh, thriving in the uh, in the rocket so um and who knows? We we've seen youngsters in the past. We were having this these discussions about Nick Suzuki a couple of years past, and and whether you know, he would thrive in a in AHL development, and and then he just skipped right past that and went straight into the NHL from from the OHL and and has played admirably and just improving game on a game by game basis. So who knows if Cole Caulfield already next season will be ready for NHL duty and it will be interesting to uh, to follow because as we heard in Marc Dumont's uh, excellent interview with him um, in the Canadians own podcast, um, he loves to learn and he loves to learn about the game and learning about his weaknesses and just trying to improve and it's a good mentality to have and um yeah cole caulfield is uh he's a favorite with me already and i I look forward to following him in the canadians ranks yeah you mentioned you mentioned jake evans and it's what strikes me about jake evans and and even caulfield and I, i don't know if it's even an NCAA mentality of, of both of them going to school, but, but they both seem to really like to learn and, and they're not just, it's not just about playing hockey and being, you know, good at what they do, but they want to improve constantly. And, and I think that that is going to help Caulfield because 
so so many times i mean you know i'm sure we've all heard about players who were very talented and just when they couldn't get to the next level they just stopped moving forward and and in in the end just kept going backwards the ability to to understand that you can improve is is something that is is very important and and i think that caulfield has that mentality and and, you know to, to go even a step further you look at somebody like Jonathan Drouin and Drouin had a, had a mentality or a reputation of being that kind of guy who, you know, was, was very talented and just, you know, coasted on his talents and then had a trouble adjusting to the NHL level. And then what happened? He watched film with his junior coach. And ever since then, he's been a a different player and continuously improving. So I, I think there's something to that mindset of, of always wanting to do better that that separates the just the regular talented players to the potential stars in, in the NHL. And you look at the top of the NHL, you know, guys like Crosby and McDavid, I'm not comparing Caulfield to those guys, but what do they have? They have the ability to always want to do better, to learn, you know, McDavid and Matthews train together over the off season, right? Those are two guys who probably don't need to train <laughs> in the off season if they don't want to. And, and they, they choose each other to just con- consistently get better. And, and I think that, that there's something to be said about that kind of mentality uh, for young, talented players. And I think that, you know, young, talented players need to look at that and, and have that as their mindset going forward, that it's not enough to just be, you know, the greatest goal scorer that the U.S. development program has ever seen in terms of pure numbers, you have to improve. And, and I think Caulfield has that, that, that mentality. And I think that that's going to help him once he does go professional. Yeah, we have to say that the whole of the Toronto defense will have to sit down with film and learn from their mistakes when, or see a superstar in action because what McDavid did last <laughs> night to them was uh, similar to what Maradona did in '86 to the English team. Well, he he's done it before hold. against Toronto too, right? The the goal he uh, on Morgan Riley, where he just kind of faked them out. I was also against Toronto, right? So, you know, I think there's only so much you can do against those kind of players, you know. And if you over if you overcompensate next time, he'll beat you anyway. So, um, yeah, I I wouldn't, you know. If I was Toronto's defense, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over that goal. When Maradona passed away a couple of months ago, the first thing that that everyone in England asked was, where were you when he scored that goal? And everyone knew both goals of that game because the other one is obviously the famous hand of God goal. But but yeah, moving on though from one short player that is obviously very, very talented to one short player that might in some ways be even more talented but has had faced an uphill struggle for the last three seasons and it took him two years and four days to score uh, or between his last goal and the goal he scored this week Johnny Ikonen is the third um, or the first European star of this this uh, month uh, organizational prayer of the month but it was a tough choice in many ways because if you look at point production, you could argue that Alexander Gaudin would be one. Uh, he has a 1.1 point per game percentage, I think. Yeah, but, but he it plays is in, in the, the MHL. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like he plays in the MHL. It's it's worse than the Swedish under twenties yeah. sometimes. And and uh, I've gone through a couple of games of his, and he can score, but 
there are some certain gaps in his overall play, and that's why uh, he's out. He can't uh, you skate. Could also... That's the problem. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, and def- defense is is obviously short on that. You know, on his skill level as well. Yes, but. Uh, when you look at it from other points of view, you could also have made an argument for for Jacob Olofsson that has swapped uh, his SHL credentials to an Hockey Allsvenskan credential. But that's also a lower league. And he's not scoring at a pace where you would assume that he should have if he is that top prospect like Jonathan Dalen, uh, who's for obvious and, and well-known reasons are back in Sweden for a couple of years. And, and obviously San Jose is looking at him very closely now and monitoring his progress because he is a point per game or two point per game player in hockey Allsvenskan. But Johnny Aikonen struggle, the Cinderella story coming back in his second game from a two years absence from the hockey rink and he scores the opening goal. You have to give him the, 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 the European player of the month. Yeah. Because obviously a little bit because of lack of competition, Norlinder has been out for more or less a month, but also the Cinderella story is a factor here. The question remains, what should what should Mark Bergevin do with, with Johnny Ikonen? Because he needs to sign him this uh, this spring. You know, you know what I think? I, I, I don't know. I, I think the best thing for Montreal, and, I, and I, I don't have the contract numbers in front of me, so I don't know exactly what the, the situation would be, but I would almost... I would I would keep a dialogue open with him, and I would say even if he doesn't sign him this year, uh, for you know before the deadline, I'd be like, listen, Yoni, you know we've talked to you for for these years. If something happens where another NHL team approaches you, let us know, and and, and from there, then you know they don't necessarily have to sign him, but at least you know keep that dialogue open. Maybe have you know Rob Ramage or, or Francis Bouillon continue to talk to him. A little bit, uh, and then that way, at least if you know you keep tabs on him, right? In 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 baseball, um, there, there's like a there was uh, before before COVID uh, a 50 round draft, and, and what what teams would do late in those ra- late in the draft is, is take high school players that were going to college, and they call it what a, what's called a draft and follow. So you draft a guy in like, you know, the 34th round or whatever, he goes to college and you just keep tabs on him or, or junior college and you keep tabs on him. You keep talking to him. You, you discuss things with him and, you know, it, it's kind of a way to, to let them know that you're interested. And I think that that might be the, the approach with, with Ikenen because I, I don't think you can afford to risk an entry-level contract, which is three years or maybe less because he's a little bit old now, but it, 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 I don't know if you can, you can necessarily, risk an entry-level contract. I don't know if he'd even want to come over right now uh, to Laval or, you know, if he would be alone to to stay in Finland anyway. It's 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 a tough situation. But what I would do is I would just keep in dialogue and say, listen, you know, we're, we're still interested in following you. Uh, keep playing, keep healthy, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Like, keep the pressure on a minimum level because as we've talked about before, it's just great to see Joni Ekinen back at back on the ice at this point and the fact that he scored in the second game already that's terrific but at the same time he he's not playing on one of the top lines at the moment he he just needs ice time he just needs to get back to you know a level you know just near what he was before and just overall playing and uh, yeah it's it's obviously tough as well when you've been that 
that's a skillful player and you know uh, someone like kind of a, like a Jonathan Drouin uh, who's just everything has come very easy for them growing up and then all of a sudden you have this just backlash after backlash after backlash with injury or or something else and just how you handle that it's just going to be interesting to follow Joe Nikon and from from afar now during the spring and just see how he will how his overall play will be and it will be really interesting to read your EPRs during the spring about Ikonen and just hope that he keeps that he stays injury free for the remainder of the season because what he needs now is just game time and then if he just blossoms into full uh, like something like full steam on and just plays really well for Ilves, then it's another, then it's a discussion to have. But the, at this point, yeah, just just having him play is more important than him being signed to an entry-level contract with the Canadians. The situation reminds me a little bit about the situation that Montreal had with Martin Rewai. They signed him to an entry-level contract, obviously. But on the other hand, the situation in the prospect pool is so much different right now. So I agree with you. I'm, I'm, and I can't really see them signing him uh, unless he goes on a, a tear, <laughs> which is possible. Yeah, right absolutely. Now he's, right now he's, uh, you know, 0.5 uh, <laughs> goals a game. And uh, he plays about 13, 13 and a half minutes uh, in those two games. He's been promoted to the third line center. He's back to his center position. I think that's beneficial for him. He wants to play there. And, and looking at a, a potential NHL career down the line, I'm not sure that you will have two um, Brendan Gallagher-sized players in on on two different wings or, or with Gallagher's new contract in three different wings. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Um, I just wish, um, I, I've said it before on the podcast, I wish Johnny the best. He's a super nice guy. Uh, he has worked on his education during this off, uh, off time as well. And uh, he was very proud when I spoke to him about finishing um, secondary school or upper secondary school. It's it's fantastic. It's an achievement in in its own way because he was still going in Gothenburg in Sweden, so he had to do it by by distant learning. Uh, but really, as much as I want to, and and as much as I want him to prove it wrong, I don't see him as an NHL player. Yeah, and you know the the, the thing that that's that's tough for for Ikinen, uh, and you mentioned you know Revi, is the timing, right? Because because Revi's health issues happened. Uh, after he had signed the contract, right? They didn't sign him, you know, after the, the issues. So it, it's a little bit different on, on that regard. But um, at the same time, I think, you know, you, you mentioned a lot on this podcast and, and even, you know, when we're just talking, you know, Ikenen has a career playing professional hockey. And, and that's, that's not a bad thing. And, and if he can stay healthy, then he'll, he'll continue having that, 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 that ability. So, you know, I think for, on a personal level, it's great to see him back on the ice, you know, whether he can, you know, I, I don't even know if you, if, even if he was a hundred percent healthy, if he'd be in the top 15 prospects, uh, you know, in the Canadian organization yeah, right cool. now. Yeah. So um, it, it would be, it would be pretty tough for him, you know, and like you mentioned, Pat, you know, that it's not only the fact that he's, he's not, uh, he's not signed and, and the pressure's on the timelines on it's also, there's, there's a lot of people that Montreal is going to have to sign as well. Uh, when you talk about Caulfield, talk about Harris, Struble, you know, guys who are, 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 are ahead of him, 
you know, yeah. and and I think that that's that's a major factor as well because you know the last two years they have let guys go who have been talented prospects, you know, Walford and and Tishka McShane. and Shane and McShane and Fonstad. Mm. You know, those are, those are all guys who who are probably around the same kind of level as as Ikenen. Ikenen has higher upside. Um, but you know, he has to play. And, and like you said, you know, it's possible he goes in the tear and that completely changes the conversation. But, but as of right now, I think it's just a wait and see approach, keep that option open and, and, and see what happens. Yeah. I think it was interesting yeah. what you said there, because I was thinking the same thing that the Canadians have been, um, very adamant about not signing players that they don't believe have an NHL future because they can find AHL depth. Uh, in other places for a minimum minimum salary on a one-year deal so if they don't believe that Ikonen has an NHL future like a McShane or a Fonstad or a Samuel Oud uh, then they're not going to sign it yeah and I'm 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 just going through some of my old stat things here and everyone remembers that 13 stretch game where he did come back and played uh, between the injuries and obviously that was two years ago more or less and just comparing him like a point per game on, on his first season in Liga, his draft plus one uh, season, he had 0. 0.21 uh, points per game. Uh, in 47 games, he had three goals and seven assists. Um, Leo Komarov, uh, obviously, uh, was slightly better. He had 0. 0.24. But if, if we mention someone like Jesse Ullinen, who we all th- consider a, a, a decent prospect, Maybe even an, an, probably an NHL career down the line, but he was 0.5. Uh, Kapanen was 0.5. Uh, Lekkonen was 0.6. Um, who, who should we say here? Rasmus Kupari is is 0.76. Mm. Um, Christian Vesalainen, who's uh, an NHL AHL kind of player, maybe getting some calls up uh, to to uh, Winnipeg this year. If he hasn't really had some, he was 0.88. Sebastian Aho, who, who Montreal obviously famously tried to uh, sign from from Carolina, mm. was a point per game player. Yeah. Some of these were obviously in better teams. Let's face that. But you would have expected more from John Aikon and, and and I. When he got those ten points in thirteen games, he was also playing with with Alexander Tetchier, who's playing with Columbus Blue Jackets right now. And played with them as a 19-year-old, if I recall yeah. correctly. Uh, he, yeah. he was signed. He got. He went. Uh, finished regular season and went to the playoffs um, yeah. that year. So you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the thing is that you know, I think he just needs more time. You know, if, if if this was last year, let's say this was last year, and they have a full year to sign him, I think it's a completely different conversation. But I, I think right now it's it's just unrealistic to think that he'll he'll be signed. You know, we, we've seen guys who have played in, in Europe their whole careers and, and eventually do go to the NHL. Look at a, a guy like Mikko um, Lettinen in, in Toronto, you know, 27 years old, making his NHL debut this year. And he's not the only one. There's, there's a lot of players like that. So I, I don't think that, you know, it, it's not impossible I just think that it's not worth the risk right now. You know, Montreal has given out NHL contracts to guys who have no NHL futures over the last few years. You know, just looking at their team now, and I don't mean to be rude to any of these players, but we have to be honest. Guys like, you know, uh, Hayden Verbeek and Michael Pozzetta, you know, Alexander Alain had a mutual termination because he's going back to school. You know, the guys like that 
are, are guys that you can sign to like an ECHL or AHL contract, especially now with the team in Trois-Rivières coming up. So I, I don't think that they necessarily need to sign to an NHL contract. And I don't think that Ikenen will necessarily want to come over to North America for anything less than an NHL contract. So I don't think I, he can because he's still yeah. on the contract with Ilves. Right. Yeah. For next season as well. Yeah. No, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, and I was going to say as well, like, if we don't have that 13-game stretch, which everyone loves to point, because it's it's easy to fall in love with a success story that's kind of like, what if? What if he didn't get injured? Like, what if he had that point-per-game pace over the whole season? But if we don't have that 13-game stretch, we see a player who had 10 games in the SHL with Frölunda and zero points, then 52 games uh, on loan with Kaipa the first season, 14 points. So basically, like there wouldn't even be a discussion without these 13 games and 10 points with Alexandre Tessier. So yeah, it's 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 such a it's such a limited sample size of of greatness at the senior level at this point that it's not worth the risk. Indeed. And and we're gonna call it there, but there are obviously some European prospects to keep an eye uh, open for can go down go up to the VHL level then he suddenly becomes um more of an interest for us in in uh, in these kind of episodes that we're going to have with with the organizational player of the month jacob olofsson when because it's going to be a when anton right uh, they're going to play for 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 the promotion to to the shl if he steps up there he's going to be one and then obviously we have matthias norlinder where we're going to look into to coming the playoffs and, and he will have the chance to shine there after a couple of tough weeks he, he said that himself that it had been tough but he's raring to go and he wants to go and he had a good chance to to score this weekend in Frölunda but there are some play, underlying players coming up and, and it's it's not that we choose Johnny Ekonen because we didn't have anyone we choose Johnny Ekonen because of the discussion and because of the Cinderella story and also, we all want him to succeed in one way or another. And let's face it, there are about 700 hockey players in, in, in maybe 800 uh, hockey players in the NHL or, or borderline NHL players. There are a lot more hockey players in the world and, and he can still make a dollar there and, and, and have a good life after that. It's not like all of us are, are working on the top 800 spots in the world and when it comes to, to our job professions you, you mentioned Ikenin is a great story well, let's face it if Matthias Norlander was was healthy for the entire month he'd be the player of the month Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any debate about that no uh but also like uh we have to to mention some things that stood out in last night's game which we speaking about uh, Saturday's game against um Calgary Flames and we have to mention first and foremost in the middle of the game uh, in one regulation one message came and and in the second <laughs> intermission the other uh, uh message came but uh, the same agent pushed two of his players one for each team uh that they had asked for for trades um from what i have understood at least mark bergman went out and said no we haven't received anything from the player doesn't mean that it hasn't come from the agent but Victor Mehta's situation seems a little bit unstable at the moment. Yeah, it's it's such a tough situation, right? Because th- this is the the other side of of depth, right? You know, I, I spent all last week talking to guys like Xavier Ouellette and Laurent Dauphin and Alex Belzil, guys who 
would normally be in the NHL picture, but because of all the bodies that Montreal added are deep in the, in the AHL right now. And it's, it's not easy for them. And, and, but at least they get to play whereas Victor, or at least practice, I guess Victor McTay gets to practice too, but um, there's nowhere really that you want to be except the NHL in the lineup right now. But, you know, when it comes to Mete, listen, he's a guy who has played in the NHL for a lot and, you know, probably is frustrated that he hasn't gotten a, a chance to play yet. But unlike the forward uh, depth, it's, it, there hasn't really been an opportunity. And, you know, I, this is what Mark Bergevin, you know, this is why he got Corey Perry and Michael Froelich because he, he told them what would be the reality for them. And, and Patrick, you, you translated an interview with Froelich, you know, earlier this week where he said, yeah, it's not easy, but you know what? It's, it's my job. <laughs> right. And eventually yeah. I'll, I'll get a chance and, and that's, that's what will happen. And, and that's what Victor Mete, you know, obviously for Lika and Perry have a few more years on Mete mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they aren't, they, you know, they've made their money. Yeah, exactly. And Mete, and Mete is, is still, you know, working towards that. And, you know, it's frustrating, but at the same time, you know, could you really go to anybody on, on the Canadians defense and be like, you know what, you deserve to, to sit right now. You know, maybe things change a little bit, you know, with the regulation loss, maybe things change a little bit with the, the, the pressure that the agent is, is putting on Mark Bergevin and, and by extension, Claude Julien, maybe, but, you know, I, I think it's just a reality of the situation. And, you know, I'm, I don't envy Victor Mete, you know, you, you, you get, you know, I, I talked to Charles Houdon and, and, and Matthew Pekka, who infamously spent a lot of time on the NHL roster without playing. And, and what's, you know, they almost had a, a sigh of relief when they went to the AHL because it meant they can play again. And, and, you know, yes, he's making a lot of money. Yes. He's, you know, in the NHL and, and things like that. But at the same time, you know, they want to play hockey, you know, for, for, for many of us who sit on the sidelines and, and watch the games, we'd love to get that money to watch games, but, but these guys are, are there to play play hockey and that that's what they want to do and i feel i i understand that and i feel i feel bad for for Mate and i understand the frustration uh but at the same time i understand mark bergman not wanting to trade him because well there there seems to be a opening coming up in uh new york rangers we'll take lafreniere <laughs> for for meta right i i think I, I could accept that trade uh, you mentioned something just before we started talking about this as well, Anton. Um, you mentioned the fact that it is a contract year for Victor Meta, yeah. and, and that obviously puts an extra pressure to him. Yeah, and I think as well, Darren Ferris is just doing his job. He may be annoying as an agent, but he's just doing his job and looking out for his client. And obviously, Victor Mete with over 100 games in the NHL, he has proven that he can play in the NHL. It's unlike... Um, like we we kind of already forgotten that Noah Juleson was lost on waivers because he hasn't made an impact in Florida. He hasn't played a game, um, but they're kind of in the same. Like if Juleson like Juleson doesn't get to play in Florida, but he can't really he can't really put any leverage on it because he hasn't played in so long. Uh, whilst Victor Mete probably knows that there is some interest in the league for a guy with his talent and his skating ability and his. Uh, his puck moving ability so obviously it's just interesting for him as well and for Sam Bennett in in Calgary and just know where the landscape is uh, when it comes to both um, how much the uh, their respective franchises want to keep them and also what kind of role they see for them moving forward I'm just wondering like if you're Claude Julian at this point and do you consider like uh, this being a 
a bit of a whiny thing to do when you're um, on this kind of a role that the Canadians still are on at the top of their division and everything. And you kind of want everyone to buy in and you have someone like Cale Fleury, who is also there. Um, I just wonder if this pushes Fleury ahead of Mete in the picking order, or if you just say like, well, I mean, obviously the best guy is going to get the chance if there is indeed an injury or just a dip in, dip in form. I would say it's 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 changing the pecking order a little bit because you don't want that whiny guy coming in upsetting stuff. Uh, it's a calculated risk that that Adrian does, and he probably does it with Victor Metis, uh, no knowingly uh, or know how. But but also you have to realize last year Christian Felin was sitting in 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 the stands just because of this thing because of Kyle Flurry stepping up and. I know there was a lot of people saying Alexander Romanov needed time in the AHL. There was a lot of time uh, speaking about Alexander Romanov not being re- NHL ready, et cetera, et cetera. He has jumped that line and he was ready. And and this is the problem for Victor Meta right now. Adding that and ad- adding Joel Edmondson to that is, is going to be, you know, an, another uh, step on the ladder for him to, to break through. And he obviously sees this as a a step too far right now. I disagree with, with both of you, actually. I, I think if if you're going to put Kale Fleury ahead of Victor Mete because of this, you just might as well trade him. I, I think what you have to do is you have to sit down uh, with Victor, whether it's, it's Claude Julien or Mark Bergevin or both or either one or whatever, and you have to say, listen, this is a situation. You're, you're going to get playing time. One of our defensemen is going to get hurt at some point. It's, go- it's bound to happen, and, and we're going to need you. You know, if you want to be part of something that we have here, great. And if you don't, then then that's it. But I don't think you you take it out on him. I think if you if you go that far, you might as well trade him. Yeah, but don't you think they've already had that discussion with those players who are on the taxi squad ahead of the season? I, I would find it very unlikely that they haven't told them already. Well, we have eight guys here. He's not he's not on the taxi squad though. He he's 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 on the regular roster. He's yeah, he's okay. getting yeah. his NHL yeah. salary. Yeah. And and I think he you know, he understands the situation. I'm sure he's frustrated that the team added, you know, Joel Edmondson. And I'm sure he's, he's frustrated that Alexander Romanov has been as good as he has been, Yeah. because I think that's the, that's the easy way to switch things around. Hmm. Um, you know, you know, that or, or Brett Kulak. Uh, but I, I also think that Victor Mete is behind all of these guys. I, you know, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, Ryan Palin getting upset that, you know, he's behind Perry and for And I think, I don't understand. I understand where Victor Mete is coming from. I understand it's frustrating. I just don't understand why he thinks it's going to be instantly better elsewhere. You know, you mentioned Noah Jolson earlier. You know, he got cleaned off waivers. Is he is he any better right now? He's getting an NHL salary, but he's not playing. So I, I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think that the the agent told Mark Bergevin, listen, find a way to play our player. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that both of them came out on the same night. I don't think it's a coincidence that both of them came out on the same night that they're playing each other. And I don't think it's a coincidence that they came out on the same night that they're both playing each other on hockey night in Canada. Mm. Uh, You know, I I don't, it's not a coincidence. This was orchestrated chaos and whether it was done with the player's approval or, or maybe a little bit over his head, or maybe he convinced Victor to let him do it or, I the that the main thing is is that you know I I think that they 
it's it's not a great situation for anybody involved right now. Even if Mark Bergman wanted to trade him, he's not getting value for him. And and they can't do a one-for-one swap because Bennett's salary is too high anyway. So it, it's just, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's I understand it, but, you know, it, it comes a time where it's just like, I, I don't think Victor Mete was misled or anything like that. I just think that, you know, he's behind everybody on the death chart and that's, mm. that's the way it goes. But, you know, it, it's, at the same time, you know, it it's very, you know, what happens if, you know, something happens where, you know, two two defenders get hurt in the same game? You're going to need Victor Mete. So I understand Mark Bergman not trading him either. But at the same time, I, I understand the frustration, but it's... And you have to realize that. Was it last Hockey Night in Canada on, on Saturday night uh, when the news broke that other teams were calling about Mete? So it's 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 like it's a build-up. It's, it's a slow... Uh, cooking boil uh, a, a slow boil more or less yeah, and, yeah. And you know it's 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 hard to make a change to the lineup when the team hasn't lost in regulation well <laughs> now they have lost so right exactly and that now is an opportunity okay listen let's you know put him into a game and and see i i thought they would switch uh they would switch him around more often i you know he, he was close to playing in a game when when paul byron had that injury uh, against uh was it vancouver yeah, it was Vancouver yeah. um, when you left the game. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that could potentially happen to, to give him a, a spot in the lineup. But I, I think the main thing is, is just, you know, it's, 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 it's what, it's been eight games, you yeah. know, and, and, and there's no realistic way to make changes to the lineup uh, through those first seven games. So, you know, you can, you can hardly argue for, for a change when they played as well as they did against Flames last night either so no exactly it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah it's great to to rotate guys but at the same time who do you rotate yeah and and if victor Mete was indeed that um that valuable as an asset right now he would be in the mix for rotation but as they see it right now he's number seven on the depth chart he's behind guys like kulak and romanov who who plays on the third pairing and then you just you don't want to screw up anything with the chemistry there because it works very well with all three pairings at the moment so why just you can't just take him in to take him in it was the same with Corey perry you didn't just take him in to take him in it was just because armia had a had a head injury so you had to indeed and we're going to call it there uh we thank you guys for listening as anton mentioned an hour ago when you started recording this Mm. uh rate us leave comments we all uh, read them we all or, or even if we are not all reading them we all send them to each other to, to learn from and and to get other ideas uh, i hope you enjoy this we'll be back uh midweek for another episode of absent minded um with me in the pod today was jared book you can find him on twitter um and anton rosegård you cannot find him on twitter nope Uh, But you will find Anton in the hills of Sweden next week. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening. We are hopeful that will be a good series against the Canucks. On the next episode, we're going to hear more about Anton's three stars of the week and uh, whatever else has happened in Montreal Canadiens' atmosphere. Stay safe.